Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, Well Women. Happy November. On the show this week, I have a great interview with Anastasia Marks de Salcedo, who's a nonfiction writer who has been a public health consultant and a public policy researcher. And she wrote a book called Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse, How Food Fights Hijack Our Health and the New Science of Exercise. But before we go to Anastasia and my interview with her, I do want to acknowledge the election this week, just to reflect a little bit on it. By the time this airs, things might have shifted slightly, but at the time of recording this, there was reporting that Democratic candidates across the country were lifted up by the issue of abortion rights, which proved decisive in many battlegrounds, especially in Michigan. In a few other states, voters protected abortion rights in their state constitutions. And so all of this to say it wasn't the great big disappointment for women and girls that I honestly thought it was going to be or thought it might be or could be. So reflecting on this, I just want to acknowledge all of the emotional, psychological, and physical work that women and girls and those who identify as women and those men who have been supporting abortion rights. This has been a really rough few months. And I personally felt my nervous system relax a little bit when I woke up the morning after election day to find that some of the headlines were not what I thought they might be. The New York Times headline was no sign of red wave as race for Congress remains tight. Washington Post said Congress hangs in the balance as Democrats defy expectations and on and on. For me, it's really not about Democrat versus Republican. I I really want to just emphasize that this is about the fight for women and girls' lives, period. And that, that's what's at stake here. So I just want to acknowledge all of listeners who have been involved in the fight for democracy, for including women and girls over the last decades, many decades for a lot of you. I want to acknowledge that and I appreciate you. So today on the show, as I said, I do have a really uh, exciting conversation with Anastasia Marks de Salcedo. We discussed the important message that you can be healthy at any size as long as you get enough exercise. As always, as always, all the links and information are at wellwomanlife.com slash 299 show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. Join us in the academy for community mindfulness practices and practical support to live your well-woman life. I'm speaking this morning with Anastasia Marks de Salcedo. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Giovanna. It's so good to have you. Um, And I just want to start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world? today? Oh, I think like most of us, I'm sort of complicated. (laughs) I am 
both a uh, a writer and a public health consultant. I'm a mother with uh, three daughters, the youngest of whom just left for college. And I'm also a person who's been uh, living with now for over 30 years, kind of major diagnosis, which is multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of identities. I find it so interesting to hear how people identify, you know, going beyond the bio that we hear in the introduction. Anastasia, you, you're a writer and a public health consultant. I just want to ask you, how did that come about? I, I think it's so useful to hear about professional women's career trajectories, especially for younger folks listening or people in transition wanting to move into a new career. How did that come about? To, to be a writer and a consultant. Yeah, I'd love to, to talk about that. And that's something I think about a lot because I do actually have three daughters. And at least for me, when I was sort of first in the professional world, I didn't really have too many role models. One thing that I kind of like about myself is that I've achieved this interesting balance with having a creative life and a profession and a sort of a, a, a traditional profession professional life. So how that came about was I, I studied urban studies in college. After that, I, I actually worked doing public policy research at a university. From there, I shifted into, and I, I'm going to kind of, little side note here, My I have entrepreneurial small business sort of history on both sides of my family. So I kind of felt comfortable doing this, but I started my own business, which was a English language news magazine in South America. And so actually, while I was there, I, I met my husband. And when we had our first child, we moved back to the US. And we were looking to maybe for more robust income, let's say, than, than um, a news magazine might offer. So we, we entered the area of public health uh, research and communications. And I've so Maybe when my, uh, my oldest was about 10, I started getting pretty desperate to get back into the writing world because that was sort of my first love. And I started off as a food writer and, you know, publishing articles online and still in magazines, which were around then. And so those tracks kind of evolved simultaneously, continued to work in the public health. And I get to do some very interesting and substantial projects. And at the same time, uh, my writing eventually got to the point where I could create, you know, think about writing a book. And I did. I My first book was called Combat Ready Kitchen, How the U.S. Military Shapes the Way You Eat. And it was a deep dive into the military's influence on consumer foods. And Mm. I've actually written, wrote in after that, I wrote a short book, which is going to be published after the book that we're about to talk about. And and that short book is a in-defense of processed food. And it's a four-part argument um, in favor of processed food. First is uh, scientific, because I know a lot about food science from the first book. The second is feminist, and we maybe can touch on that a little bit today. The third is economic, and the fourth is from a a public health perspective. And that public health part, um, as sometimes happens, I think, with authors, it just expanded in scope. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the topic of of the book that we're going to talk about today, which is run like a horse, eat like a pig. Right. Okay. And we'll get to the book for sure. I just want to be clear, the the short book you talked about in defense of processed foods and you outlined the four components, that's a book that's out already or not it's about? Yet. It's, oh, okay. It will be published, the intellectual exploration that I've been doing really since my first book, that's sort of the 
bridge that links um, mm. the first book with uh, this, this, the second book. Okay. Now, I just have to say, because obviously the title of your book is so catchy. And so I just absolutely know that a lot of listeners are going to be saying, what? We've been told we shouldn't eat processed foods. So what? what is this now that you're saying? Can you give us a short insight into... Um, the sh- my short insight, it, it, processed food is a very imprecise term. And so what I describe in the book is that, you know, really there are so many different foods that we have in our cupboard and in our refrigerators that are processed that have been, you know, processed somewhat may be fine to include in a regular diet if they may be, let's say, well, one of my favorite examples would be when we make our homemade spaghetti for our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what do we really do is we open a jar of spaghetti sauce. Oh, we yeah. have pasta, which is, and maybe we grate some cheese. All of these things are actually very processed foods, but we think of them as being, you know, when we kind of heat it up, that that's sort of like a homemade dinner. And (laughs) my book is saying that, no, that's fine. It is a processed food and that's a fine food. Yes. you Those ultra processed, what they call the ultra processed or snack foods. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be a little careful about that, you know, enjoy it in moderation, like you would anything naughty, alcohol and sweets, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to find a place of balance there. And that really, if we think about sort of the vast majority of things in the in the supermarket, yeah. many of them are really fine. Right. And and so there's a hint of like, let's not moms and dads feel so guilty about their yes. choices. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, one of, and that goes into the feminist side of this. And yeah. it's also a message that I'd like people to come away from, um, eat like a pig, run like a horse, which is we should be stressing out so much about food. People become really obsessed with these diets. And and in particular, I should say the um, eat like a pig, run like a horse title refers to these, you know, these special diets that people adopt from, yes, you know, right. keto and paleo and broad diet and, you know, yeah. high fat, low fat, and, and that all of these things really are not going to contribute as much to your health as a serious commitment to daily physical activity. Okay, so let's talk about your books. I want to just tell listeners that the book that you're referring to is your new book called Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse, How Food Fights Hijacked Our Health and the New Science of Exercise. So you laid out a little bit about this. What is it you're really wanting to communicate here? Like, What's the most important, you know, message that if you could get everyone on board, you would feel successful with your writing here? What I would like the takeaway to be is that we have overemphasized diet and underemphasized physical activity in our equation for health. We worry about calories. We, you know, worry about what foods we're eating. We spend a lot of time thinking about it, looking at, and it's certainly fun. <laughs> I'm mean, eating is, you know, pleasurable. And, um, and it's also kind of, I think, a way to pacify a little bit of fear that we have about the world is just, I think, feels very chaotic. And so, you know, adhering to a diet is sort of like this, this kind of soothing way to like sort of structure things, but that really we should be flipping the amount of energy, attention and time we spend on food, on nutrition and exercise. And that if everybody, you know, really put exercise front and center in planning uh, their day, that we would have much better health outcomes. Yeah. For many people. Yes. I know that you you researched 
a lot here and there's a theme that runs through your writing around the military influence. You reference the new science of exercise. What is the new science of exercise? And is it really new or, or have we just been ignoring it? Um, it is actually new. The book sort of tries to explore this topic through the animal world. Um, in part because, yeah, animals are cute, in part because uh, it, it turns out that animals are almost regular, constant, sometimes vigorous mm. motion as we should be <laughs> and mm. were at one point. And also because um, some research has been done on some of these animals or they may demonstrate one of the processes that I'm about to talk about, which is that the new science of exercise is not just the benefits that we all know about, um, you know, that exercise is great for your cardiovascular their system. It's great for your bones. It's great for your cognitive abilities and your mental health. But that people, scientists actually, because it has been sort of an underexplored area, don't really know what's happening at the cellular and molecular level a lot of, a lot of times um, with exercise and why it is so beneficial. And the new science of exercise using some new scientific tools that kind of like allows you to, to kind of collect all these different kinds of proteins and just analyze them and figure out, sort of map out what's actually there. They're looking at, at some of the, these molecules that are created are around in greatly increased quantities by physical activity. And that's the new mm. science. Okay. So when we talk about physical activity, I'm just going to say the first thing that comes to mind is going to the gym. Uh, I know that when I talk about physical activity with within my community on the, on this show and with the well woman community i i like to talk about it more in terms of sweating so like finding something that you enjoy doing that that raises your heart rate and and you know gives you a good sweat so can you talk a little bit about the reality of what you're suggesting and how this impacts people's lives in particular you know women's lives i agree with you that you need to find whatever it is that you can you know raises your heart rate for an extended period of time that you find enjoyable to do you know that that's your sweet spot so so go for that at the end of the book i talk about having an exercise diet what i mean by that is is that I think people should try to plan their daily exercise as if they were planning meals. You want to have get in this big chunk of aerobic exercise with heart elevating exercise where you're moving your big muscles, whatever that is. Um, I personally run. I find that the easiest. And one of the reasons is put on sneakers, open door, run, <laughs> run and mm -hmm. then you know I, I, I'm back and I can continue on with my day. And then you want to add in other, um, you know, little bits and pieces for the other types of, you know, you want strengthening, flexibility. So I, for example, I run and then I also love to do dance classes. So that's something I do and I find this really relaxing. And I also try and just um, think about it throughout my day. And so yeah. I live in a three-story house and I, I sometimes people will say, oh, can you get that? And I'm like, yes. And I have this little saying that everybody might laugh at, which is more exercise for me. And but it's just kind of adding that little extra piece in. So whenever there's an opportunity to move more, I try to take it. And so from a public health perspective, too, you know, it's a matter of integrating this into our systems and structures that have been a bit sedentary. I'm, I'm thinking of school, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, how much the kids sit 
all day long. I'm glad you brought that up because that is just, I homeschooled my children. One of my daughters went to school eventually. But one of the great things about that is when kids are young, you really let the outdoors be their classroom and that allows them to move around so much more. You know, I really feel bad when I think of, you know, young kids who are just sitting all day and it would be, you know, I hadn't, I haven't touched on that topic at all, but you're right. It's tragic that they don't get more opportunities to move. So yeah, working those, you know, thinking about how to create more opportunities to move for everyone. That's something that should certainly be a public health, public policy. So I love that you have a a sort of a scientific and a feminist and a public health perspective through your writing. I also took away that this is not to shame, you know, there's no like body shaming here or like you need to do this exercise to look this certain way. In fact, it's sort of the opposite. You're saying that you can actually be healthy at any size as long as you get enough exercise. Absolutely. And, And so this is one of the really important takeaways, which is exercise is going to give you better health and good health at any size. And there's, um, I cite in the book, a researcher whose name is Glenn Gaser. He's at Arizona State University, who's been a a long time sort of size diversity Mm -hmm. warrior. And he had did a meta analysis, looking at a lot of different studies and looked at whether it was fitness or weight that was correlated with mortality. And it ended up being the fitness was the most important predictor of whether people had uh, longer lives in all of the BMI categories. So even there was a slight increase, normal weight to the obese category, but the bigger difference was between the fit and the unfit people in every category. Interesting. Okay, I have one quick last question. On the cover of your book, there's a picture of a really juicy looking hamburger. And I just wonder what your public health colleagues are saying about this. Because <laughs> I, I know from my own background in public health that they're trying to get people to not eat this. How are you handling that? I'm imagining you know something about how books are put together. So a lot of times the author doesn't actually get involved in creating the cover image. And that's something that is done by the public, the the publishing house. Um, I did have approval rights and I, I did. It, it's catchy. Yeah, so it, think, it totally is. But yeah. are you getting any pushback? Like, hey. I'm not, but I, I'm not, but I, I, I love a good hamburger from time to time. I'm a meat eater. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I wouldn't say again, because it circles back with those running, those running sneakers, that's kind of the message there. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If okay. you just eat hamburgers and not run, no. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So I'm speaking with Anastasia Mark de Salcedo, author of Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse, and we will be right back. I want to tell you about a cool new product from Well Woman Life, which is the 2023 Planner. Now, this has been in the works for a long time, and we've been using it in the Well Woman Academy, but now for the first time, it's available for purchase from the wider community. You can go to wellwomanlife.com slash planner to find out more about that. Uh, But just to say, it's really cool because it's a daily look at 
uh, how to use the Well Woman Life tools to apply them in your life every day. So it includes how to prioritize, how to reconnect with your purpose, um, and how to re-energize and how to really find what nourishes you on a daily basis. So check it out, wellwomanlife.com slash planner. I'm back on the Well Woman Show with Anastasia Marks de Salcedo, writer and public health consultant. And Anastasia, we're going into the segment called Superpowers for Success. This gives you a chance to let listeners know a little bit more about you as a person. And so we'll just go through a few quick questions here. What does success in life mean for you? I think for me, success comes from, first of all, figuring out what you what your goals are, what you would like, and yeah. then being able to pursue those and to uh, finding a balance among all the many areas of your life. And so really the, identifying those, those areas of your life that you want, and then being able to do those, like balancing all of that. Balancing it all. But, but being, you know, when you need to, sometimes it's a little frustrating in the moment um, when you're, and there was a point which I, you know, that, that sandwich point for me, where I was taking care of my mom, had three kids at, and working on writing mm. and having them public, you know, public health business. It's a lot. Got through it. Sometimes I would emphasize one thing over another, but in the end, I, when I look back, the things I've done, like giving the time to taking care of an ill person, I feel good about my choices. And that's a really wonderful place to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you can get there and not have regrets and a lot of pain around your choices, I, I would say that's pretty successful. So Anastasia, when did you know you were really good at what you do? And we'll take the writing, for example. That was early, I think. Uh, and that's probably been one of my, you know, the one a place where I felt a lot of confidence early on. But I should also add, I was during when I was a child, I was much more interested in the visual arts. And through college, um, I actually lived in um, a special kind of housing area for visual artists. So I, I ended up kind of dropping that out because actually because of the multiple sclerosis and I made a choice and I was like, oh, I might not be able to use my hands. <laughs> that was a little extreme at the time. But so I started to, I focus even more on the writing. I think my two of my strongest skills are, are writing and research and they have been present with me since, you know, a very early age and certainly by college. So, but but was there just briefly here? Because we have to, we have oh, I have a few other questions. But what was the moment? Was there a moment where you knew that you were really good at writing? Oh well, I don't. <laughs> that that's a typical writer response because yeah. you don't really know. Sometimes you think you suck at writing. <laughs> you're like, and sometimes you say, I, I, I don't know why, I, how I even publish these books, but no, I, that's kind of a joke in my, in my professional life. I do in, in my, in my public health work and, and previous jobs, I definitely knew that I was a good writer. I can kind of like, you know, and it's and a very good editor as well, like able to mm. simplify things, but I, uh, I, I okay. can't, I can't put a finger on a specific moment. Yeah. Okay. Can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being? And we haven't talked too much about your multiple sclerosis. So if you want to talk a little bit about that and how, how you have handled that or how has that been an influence in your work, 
but definitely want to hear about what what do you do that contributes to your well-being absolutely and and that is really was my pathway into the topic for like a pig run like a horse because i have been physically active most of my adult life but i had my first ms attack when i was 27. i at the time i was working as a public policy researcher i was at home like finishing this big report and one of my hands went numb and i was like oh i think i have carpal tunnel too much typing and the next morning it had proceeded to like you know, the entire right side of my body. So it was like Ooh. having a stroke. And then I got through that, didn't get diagnosed at that moment. But then three years later, when I was in Ecuador, the same thing happened on my left side. Again, like having a stroke. And at that time, the MRE had just kind of appeared. And I was able to get one of the very first MRI exams in Quito. And then I found out that I had all these lesions on my brain. So I didn't really, I exercised, you know, sort of on and off. I got, I had a few more flare-ups after that. Um, but then when I was pregnant with my second child, <laughs> I had been swimming and I was, I was so ill with morning sickness that I projectile vomited and leans really hard on my, on the, on the side of the, mm. the counter on the side of the toilet and actually sort of tore my rotator cuff. And so then Ooh. I couldn't swim. I, so I started doing this very gentle running and I just kept going. And after that point, I never had another MS flare up. So that became the centerpiece of my self-care and my wellness routine. And I'm really, you know, I if, every now and then I take a day off if it's raining or if I'm ill, but mo I almost every day I try and get at least a minimum of a 20 minute run. Mm, yeah, great. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I'm very resilient and I'm able to manage and live in chaos. And there are moments in my life where I felt like, you know, really sort of just really stunned by an event and like, oh, how am I going to recover from this? And or I feel like everything is just such a mess and I can't handle it anymore. And I, I'm looking at my desk as I speak, joking. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I've discovered is that I have, I actually thrive in this. I, I handle, I am really resilient. Um, when, when tough things happen to me, I kind of find a, a way forward. And, you know, a lot of times I'm living in, in a lot of uncertainty and things are coming at me from different directions and I just kind of manage it. So that's, you know, that was something that, that I learned. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 years old? Don't worry so much <laughs> uh, and trust yourself. Mm, that's so good. Uh, don't worry so much and trust yourself. Would she have listened to that? Well, let's see. We're in a hypothetical <laughs> here. So I'm now the woman that I, I think if I had seen myself, um, my, if my younger self could see me now, she would have listened. She would say, Hey, that's yeah. pretty cool. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? If you could see into the future like that. Okay. Just a couple more questions as we round out the show here. Do you identify as a feminist? Uh, yes. Yeah. What does that mean for you? That means that I am very 
aware of how uh, being a woman may affect uh, how you experience things, how you are treated, and the opportunities that you have. Okay. And last question for you, Anastasia, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Well, as a matter of fact, I just ordered a book who uh, written by a guy named Tim Kane, which is about anxiety. And the reason that I did is that I he has a little um, writer's workshop, a little, a little podcast. It's actually for fiction writers, but I used it to sort of loosen up when I was writing mm-hmm. Eat Like a Pig, Run Like a Horse um, beforehand. So I'd do one of his his uh, writing exercises, and I really found it helpful. So I ordered his book, and I'm re- yeah. about, I'm I'm starting it just now. Oh, awesome! Okay, we'll add that to the book list. Great, Anastasia Marks de Salcedo. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Giovanna. I really appreciate it. It was great talking. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. And this helps rate us super powerful, super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. 